Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 41 of Don't Call Me a Guru. And it's a very, very exciting episode because we have the return of Tyler Butler. Sound effects. (laughs) Drum thing. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm assuming that since Tyler left as co-host back in 2018. We haven't gotten any new listeners since then. Of course not, yeah. The main draw. Yeah, exactly. So everyone who's listening should know who Tyler is. But for those who don't, um, maybe Tyler can can remind us who you are and what you do, Tyler. Original (laughs) co-host, co-founder of Don't Call Me a Guru, Tyler Butler was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia, <laughs> January 5, 1989. Oh, wow. Uh, no, yeah, no other notable accomplishments. I, uh, I work at ATV. I uh, help run the social media team there. I work on a team called the Story Team. And that is why I had stepped away from this co-hosting gig. Things got a little, little busy in my life. But now here we are on a Zoom call. Uh, with all the time in the world on my hands, uh, time to step back into the ring with my pal Linda. Uh, thanks for you know, thanks for keeping the car running for me. Hey, no, we contributed to a lot of internet pollution while you were gone. <laughs> Actually, this has been a change since you left, Tyler. Don't call me a guru. Is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, but there's a new tagline. I noticed that. Yeah, it's locally grown community supported Ooh. yeah i know <laughs> what does it mean <laughs> oh, it sticks with you i, I like it <laughs> uh so tyler you left because you mentioned you know workloads were getting a bit you know too much and and now you're back everyone's on zoom now we're all accepting poor quality <laughs> sounding content just kidding but we're all gonna we're both gonna use better mics the next episode starting next episode yeah yeah we decided so that's great um what have you what have you been up to since november 2018 which was the first tylerless episode of this podcast jeez two yeah i mean what have i been up to for the last two years and two months uh i guess the answer is uh spending my time uh working with atv right the first couple of years i was traveling through alberta a lot i, I made a, a podcast called we are alberta uh which is a lot of fun uh you know drove our social strategy forward did some conferences won some awards all that good stuff uh yeah right i'm yeah we're patting my back here uh, <laughs> but you know not too much else my extracurriculars got kind of uh cut off there so uh uh but yeah uh working hard and, and now uh here i am so exciting um i put together just a few things that happened in social media since we were last co-hosts. Now, what has, is it, have there been any big headlines since I was last on the podcast? Anything come to mind? Like Nothing has changed. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest ones was Instagram hid their likes. That happened while you were gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. I don't know. Now that it's been that way for a while, I've never like, how many likes did this get? Do you, you like, so, I think about it on my own post. Do you like notice it every time you scroll past a post? Well, I, I still have it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
I think there's always like one or two people that they forget when they like roll out a feature. So I can still see people's likes. So yeah, I look at it all the time. (laughs) The only time I want it is when a post did really well. I want want people to like see how well this did, you know? know, (laughs) My like vacation photo, I'm like a mysterious number of people have liked this post. So this was fairly recent. Twitter started to allow you to turn off your replies. So if you had some type of opinion, you know, screw screw the opinions of randos you don't know. You can just put it out there and only you could select, I think, your friends and follow your followers could reply or no one. Yeah, a little bit of moderation on Twitter goes a long way. And I, I think I like it because I don't I didn't I mean I think I realized, but there's a lot of garbage replies that happen on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, so is it turned on for at Lindor? <laughs> no, I let everyone reply to me. <laughs> my, uh, well, I mean, actually, over the last two years, I would say that my Lindork social media has gotten a lot more political and right. like angry, but like not and, really that. I mean, I'm still able to reply and tell you when you have like a bad take on. Uh, oh my god! Pretzels, you know. <laughs> so Tyler likes pretzels. Pretzels are mankind's greatest snack food. I like soft pretzels, but the hard pretzels that they throw in bit, bits and bites and snack mixes, that doesn't need to be there. The thing that doesn't need to be in there is like the hard cheesies. I don't know. I like those. You can't say no to cheese-related snacks. I can and have. <laughs> I eat those first so that the rest of the so that the rest of the snack is good. <laughs> Well, according to my Twitter poll, it was uh, pretty close, but 51% of people agree that pretzels should not should not be in that bag of snacks. <laughs> I don't know. This two-party system isn't working. <laughs> right? <laughs> so TikTok, over the last two years since you've been gone, TikTok kind of exploded. I remember when you got a Musical.ly account. Yeah, right? And then I said, okay, I'll get one. And then I didn't do anything with it. Did you do Me anything? Yeah. No, but when I opened my TikTok, I had a video of us at the first Social West conference using like, lip, lip syncing to a Disney song. And I was like, how did I already make a TikTok? And then, you know, put it together. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, TikTok's like everywhere and everything now and having all sorts of effects on, I think, all social networks. It is. I feel like it's the... Snapchat was the first time I felt like an old person where I was like, I don't understand this, but everyone's using it. And TikTok's like the next wave of that. And I have to admit, I haven't like fully uh, dived into TikTok just yet. I need to, I need to spend some time on it. Yeah, I think I've gone in and out. I did a, I did a 30 day dance challenge on TikTok. I was a part of this. You were, you were a day three, I think, of that virtually. Uh, so that was fun. Because, because we recorded it on the live stream thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my husband, Mike, has really gotten into TikTok. He actually, actually, I don't know if I've told you this, Tyler. He pulls Pokemon cards every day on TikTok. <laughs> but he's so excited because he's get, he's almost got more followers than me. And he oh, says yeah, that's that the first, great content. the first platform where he'll have more followers than me. He just got access to live streaming on TikTok because you need at least a thousand followers to go live. 
any like uh shiny charizards in there like yes yes a few of them have that's like i'd say quote unquote viral but like yeah the the one where he shows more of the expensive cards get more i guess views from people (laughs) like this is legit making me want to get tiktok (laughs) this this and the sea shanty thing what's that sea shanty talk is like the trend on tiktok where people like you know the thing where you can um add to other people's videos they harmonize sea shanties i've been doing that for 10 years so like i'm ready for my viral day (laughs) you want to do that yeah Yeah. now do it there's a lot of uh i think there's a lot of really obviously niche um areas on tiktok where you can just stay there for a long time i get a lot of dogs on my tiktok (laughs) This does not surprise me. I'm yeah. happy with my dog talk. <laughs> dog talk. But dog shanty talk would be kind talk. of the cross, like cross section between us here. I think um I think it's just so amazing how like creative people are. And like actually I just did a case study. I don't know if anyone I don't know if anyone actually like clicks, you know, the blog that has the info for the podcast. <laughs> you have a blog? anyways I'll include a link to that if people are interested but I just did a TikTok case study on a local business is not on TikTok at all but customers are sharing his product on TikTok and they've gone viral wow and then he gets like it was a 1900 percent increase in sales whenever he has this viral video and he's gotten now four. There was three when I wrote it. And then literally the same weekend, he got a fourth video that went viral showing off his product. <laughs> I feel like TikTok, that's incredible. First of all, like the level of influence that's on TikTok. If you can find like that one person, you know. Well, that's the thing. It's not the even like, size. like most of them were just regular people. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you have this one video that goes viral for like whatever reason. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but I also think TikTok really speaks to how the barrier to create has gone down in the last two years, much less the last 10. Like, totally. it's so, I, it's not that hard to make a pretty slick video mm-hmm. and you do it with your phone. You don't need gear. We all have phones huh. in our pockets and that's been possible for a while, but I think it, you needed the right software. You need the right outlook. You need to like learn. Now it's so easy. Like it's, it's so, so you put music, you edit a video, like this stuff all took like, we all had to take classes and buy licenses and yeah. it's so easy. And people like it more than like produced videos. Like everything I'm seeing is the like user generated content like outperforms slick ads, really good like, like paid, uh, like, like uh, Facebook ads and stuff. And it, I think ah. it's incredible. And I also think it's like good for humanity. Like creativity is something we're all capable of. And the fact that you can stop thinking like, oh, I don't know how to edit a video uh, on a MacBook, so I must not be creative. It's like, no, we're all creative. Just go make shit. Who cares? Do it, yeah. Well, I think, because I was like 10 years too late to YouTube. (laughs) And then last year I was like, I'm going to do some YouTube videos. And it was like all this work and effort. And I'm like, who's watching these videos? Yeah. Oh, maybe that was two years ago. Well, but whatever. Then TikTok kind of shot, you know, into popularity. I'm like, there's no reason I need to be creating these YouTube videos when I can do these like 15 second TikToks telling the exact same thing, but like That's so exactly much- it. Right? Like, <laughs> you want to, I don't know, like for me, it's like recipes, right? Do I want to like set up a studio and be like 
babish north right? or, do I, yeah. or can I just make like a 15 second video <laughs> on my phone and my that. friends will like the same thing you know I'm not trying to get like famous you know oh my god yeah no no it's so true like cooking tiktok cooking talk recipe talk <laughs> Dude, this podcast is already gold we have babish north <laughs> we shanty. thought we invented a uh, dog shanty talk <laughs> This was the uh, this was the creative juices that I uh, that I was using. I think <laughs> the most recent change uh, is that all social networks banned Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, that yes, happened. they did. How deep do you want to get in on this? Are we? Uh, <laughs> no, we can't go too far into Dave Berta's territory. Yeah, I don't want to. No, we're not. Uh, we're not Dave Berta politics. But hey, that can be the podcast that we plug. <laughs> As part of the Alberta Podcast Network. One of my favorite tweets about Donald Trump being banned from all the social networks was Pornhub (laughs) tweeting, Donald Trump has also been banned from our... (laughs) (laughs) You know, this has just been so fun already, but let's take an ad break for now um, and tell you about one of this episode's sponsors. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is sponsored by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on millennials, the best annuals. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. All right, welcome back, everyone. Right. Welcome felt, back to you. Felt good. This is feeling like a good pod. Just <laughs> <laughs> to tell them that. So if you say it seven times in the podcast, then Don't they start it. to believe it at the end. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it is. That's the- why I start all my Twitter plans with. Good tweets below, right? <laughs> so it's the start of 2021. Yes, it is. And I think, you know, mostly because it's the easiest thing to talk about at the beginning of a brand new year. <laughs> all our podcast decisions. What's the yeah. easiest thing we could possibly do? <laughs> yeah, it's the least amount of work. Um, is to talk about social media trends or predictions for things that might you know, might blow up this year or that you should be thinking more about or focusing on. We, uh, we grabbed a few predictions from a couple websites and I thought that uh, we could just kind of go through them and share our thoughts. Well, the first one comes from later.com and uh, the, fir- the, the highlights we've taken out here, the first one is social shopping will be the norm. Mm-hmm. Social shopping will be the norm. I could see it. I the I think that we are all like in 2020 something I noticed is that like usage went flat. Like those spikes of like 5 p.m., 9 p.m. kind of thing just went away. Everyone was using their phone all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that something that hasn't been solved on mobile is like friction. Like it it's genuinely kind of hard to buy things on your phone sometimes you have to go to a browser and then you gotta dig out your credit card and type it in and there's some things like apple pay and stuff that's making it easier but i feel like that tap on you know see the instagram you like tap on that sweater click one button on the side of your phone and buy it like i feel like 
some networks are starting to solve that and that it really will be the it'll cut out the, the phase from like research consideration to purchase. And it's just like, saw that thing, buy it, you know? Or at least let that process happen in one place without like switching apps or switching windows. And I just see that like friction getting less and less and less. And I think that means that the behavior will happen more. What do you think? I don't buy a lot on, like I'm a really slow shopper. Like the way I use it isn't always the way a lot of people do, but I don't know, what do you think? I think you're right. I think it's becoming easier and it's probably going to become easier. I definitely am a social shopper, probably to my detriment. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see something, I'll be like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) And then I'll click and then I'll buy it. No. um, But when did the marketplace come into Instagram? Like last year, right? Yeah, it would have been last year. Within the last year. And I remember everyone was pissed because they changed the navigation at the bottom. Right, yeah. So that the create a post became like the shopping page. That actually still annoys me. Like (laughs) I I switch accounts all the time by accident now. Yeah. Yeah, no. So they're really trying to push it on you. But um, I actually, there's a local uh, in Edmonton business called Shop Chop that I think, you know, I think there's some businesses throughout the pandemic that probably haven't struggled. Well, most of them have, but Shop Chop, I don't think actually has struggled because when the pandemic hit, they just uh, fully embraced like Instagram selling mm-hmm. and posting. And this was, I think, even before they were using the like shopping tags, they were like doing transactions off Instagram DMs. And I think it really worked for them. Um, but things like that, I think, help make it a lot easier. I have heard from multiple people that they have bought things just because they saw it featured in like a TikTok video that has gone viral. Mike and I bought like this random board game because we saw it on a TikTok video and we we're like, that seems cool. <laughs> you and Mike did that together, hey? <laughs> yes. I think, uh, I think it's definitely never been easier to sell your products online. And there, you're right in saying that like the, the pivot last year was part of it. Like um, you don't really have another option. What are you doing? Like browsing, maybe some people are browsing the malls. I'm not personally, but like, uh, you know, th- this is your storefront social time, like family gathering space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's becoming more of like a one fits all uh, interface with the world kind of thing. It just makes it so much easier too, I think, for like social proof when you can also like sell the thing right through social media right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Gone are the days of, well, I think my post, you know, helped. <laughs> well, I could see it happening. I'm really curious about, uh, I haven't played too much with the store, but we've got a cool idea for it. So more to come. The next prediction that we pulled out from later is uh, that brands with purpose will go viral in 2021. I think that that's true. I think we're already seeing that. I think you could probably even use ATB as an example in this, probably Tyler, but what do you think? So with um, brands with purpose will go viral is they're basically saying that if your brand kind of takes a stand against something or for something or has um, you know, a cause that it's really passionate about, that it's using its social media and digital to kind of uh, raise awareness for. Um, the more posts like that will get attention and engagement from audiences. 
I think that there is no place in social that doesn't have some kind of political undercurrent in the conversation anymore. And, you know, uh, that wasn't always the case. I think even up till recently, something like Instagram was like joy shopping, like uh, vacation happiness kind of thing. And now like Instagram stories are a place with like a political discourse. Uh, and I think that that's true for a lot of people. Uh, with that in mind, like as a brand, when you play on social, you have to be aware of the landscape and that landscape has a political undercurrent. So you need to understand your place in it. And part of that is like being a brand that has a purpose, uh, a, an understanding of your place in the community. Ideally how you're making that community a better place. I think it's the difference between like a great brand and, and just like a good business. And uh, I think it's like essential essential to your social media strategy in particular. So I think that was really amplified in the last year, uh, especially with like the American election, uh, Black Lives Matter. I think that you can't ignore it J just because you don't, yeah, even if you want to ignore it and I don't know why you would, it won't go away. I think it probably also is forcing you and or your CEO and your business to you know, even kind of look at yourselves in the mirror. And, you know, I think what we've seen is this rise of this quote unquote cancel culture when really it's, it's, I think in a lot of cases, it's not cancel culture. It's that your position or a brand's position is actually very harmful or hurtful to, you know, let, to a minority group, for example. So it's, it's not cancel culture if people come after you for saying the wrong thing in that sense. It's more, why are you, why is that your position? <laughs> and yes, and completely agree. Um, we, we've never taken an improv class, but we'd be really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my work has taken me closer to improv in the last two years, right? So yes, and more than ever, this is always like the case with social, but I think more than ever, like, your audience gets to define a little bit of what your brand is. When, if you want to be very successful on social, um, you can tell your audience who you are and then they can confirm it, they can argue with it, they can help shape parts of it. Uh, and I think that that means like your purpose can't just be like, oh, and here's like this kind of empty purpose or something that's clearly not true. Your audience will tell you if they believe what you're saying. And if you don't have one, they'll also tell you you don't have one. If you're seeking attention on social, that kind of permeability is part of the game. What's our next, uh, our next one? So Educational posts will drive engagement, uh, which makes sense to me, right? People want to learn on social media. I think we've seen a lot more of like text-based like how to kind of educational content showing up in places like galleries on Instagram or Instagram stories. Uh, what does this make you think of? This makes me think of, I think this is tied to brands with a purpose. I think a lot of the educational posts that I'm seeing really take off. And you sort of mentioned it too, when you said Instagram stories as a platform for activism. I'm seeing a lot of people posting about, do you understand, you know, the history of residential schools? Or do you know what it means that, you know, these terrorists 
you know, storm the Capitol. And then you, and then, yeah, it has that kind of slideshow on, on Instagram that kind of explains or gives some background. And I think that's a really good start. How deep do you have to go, right? Like if you can get some, I, I mean, I, I think you need to, um, obviously you need to like check your sources yeah. <laughs> and stuff, but like <laughs> one of the advantages of an educational post is you don't have to read that book. You don't have to sit through an hour mm-hmm. webinar. You don't have to watch like a documentary series like you really can get some high level learnings I do think it's up to each of us to have some media literacy (laughs) (laughs) no and I think yeah but I really I really think it's a like it's an exciting and powerful way to educate people and also for me I found even during the Black Lives Matter protest last year let's say even a year and a half ago if someone had said well all lives matter I maybe would have struggled with how to articulate why that is the wrong thing to say. But now thanks to these Instagram posts that I've read, I can say, well, here's like three examples as to why that's wrong. And I learned about it on Instagram. (laughs) That's a complex and powerful thing to learn from a quick swipeable Instagram gallery, right? Like, I think one of the amazing things is really looking at how much can be conveyed in what seems like a trivial, like, oh, it's just a pretty, pretty background with some words on it. It's like, no, people are learning like complex, challenging issues. They're, they're having discussions about in the comments, like this is where this discourse is happening. And uh, if you're making your own educational content, like not just leaving it at that high level, like trusting your audience that this is a, when it's presented the right way that they'll engage with it and they'll truly like learn something from it. Absolutely. And I think um, it was really interesting actually, I know this person meant it as a joke, but after the Capitol was stormed in America, someone had tweeted Instagram posts tomorrow. And it was, and then it was basically like four different square images with like very pretty stylized, like what you need to know about white supremacy. And so like, so they were kind of being tongue in cheek, you know, joking about it. But, but honestly, I'm sure there were posts that came out about that. And And it's so interesting to me that on Instagram still, though, the mentality is I want to talk about this stuff, but I still want my first picture to look nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good balance, though, like. I agree, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about, like, visual storytelling. Like, uh, a story is obviously not just, like, words on a page, but, like, that visual And the visual is more than just like something that catches the eye. Like it's a way to tell this story and make it memorable and engage folks. And like, uh, I think it, I I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's really important uh, telling the story visually. Why don't we go to an ad break and then we'll take on some more predictions, hey? This episode. episode. (laughs) Hey, I'm reading this one. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is sponsored by BGC Biggs. That's Boys and Girls Clubs, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Edmonton and area. They're looking for volunteers like you. Families that have needed help need it now more than ever. There's currently a need for virtual mentors, tutors, and in-person volunteers to be big brothers or sisters. With BGC Bigs, volunteers have the power to change the course of young people's lives across our community during the pandemic and beyond. 
Together, we can ignite the hope that we all need right now. Dedicating your time to the life of a child or youth makes an impact that goes far beyond Zoom calls, video game battles, or tutoring sessions. Explore how you can get involved and watch our community change one life at a time. Join BGC Bigs for a virtual coffee in one of their online open houses and learn more about volunteering. Head to bgcbigs.ca for more information. And we're back. Welcome back, Linda. Welcome back, Tyler. Thank you very much. Uh, Okay, so our next round of predictions is from HubSpot. The first one is brands will take a less is more approach. Personally, the approach that is the right approach (laughs) and has been for a while. Like, I'm not certain this is like a new trend in 2021. What you, what's what's your gut on this one? I think that a lot of businesses and brands are still, and maybe this is because a lot of businesses work with agencies, and I feel like agencies often are trying to prove their value, and so they're like, we're going to post this many times for you, or I know some agencies structure how much they charge based on how many posts they share for that business. <laughs> So I feel like maybe that maybe this prediction is sort of speaking to that is that we want to move away from that. But yeah, I feel like if people dug into the archives of "Don't Call Me a Guru," they would find you. I think saying, <laughs> "Don't say anything if you don't have something good to say." <laughs> yeah, like I think the algorithm changes a few years ago are where this line of thought started for for me anyway. Like you don't really know when or in what situation people are going to see your posts. Mm -hmm. So having them like, having a whole bunch of posts about something floating around when you could have just had one strong post, maybe put some budget behind it. I think like the most elegantly simple, from a communications perspective anyway, the Mm -hmm. most like elegantly simple posts you can have is the strongest one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So I mean, maybe not a groundbreaking idea, but certainly one that if your organization isn't currently doing that you should that you should consider is that maybe gone are the days that you think you need five five times of twitter posts per week or something (laughs) ask yourself why (laughs) why that's a good question okay so this next prediction from hubspot says consumers will crave quote unquote snackable content which if you break down what that looks like it is quote graphics, memes, infographics, and GIFs. Again, not necessarily new ideas, right? The later article said that the meme culture is here to stay. So, you know, yeah. I'm not sure. I think we're getting fellow kids a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think we've just uh, covered this a little bit with the educational side, like, mm-hmm. uh, how can I get real value out of a quick photo gallery or tapping through an Instagram story or watching a TikTok? Uh, I think people are looking for more than just surface level entertainment when they can get like really valuable content in a snackable way. I think that's a real sweet spot that would be a neat place to play this year. I think There's always the danger of, we're talking about like memes and, you know, that like flavor of the day trend kind of jumping in on that. 
that's always kind of been a, a tricky balance. You never want to jump into a trend if it doesn't really make sense for your brand or for your business. But I do think that there is so much power in if it does make sense for your your organization and you do use just the right meme or just the right gif that it's like like chef's kiss perfect (laughs) (laughs) but that's I think that's harder to pinpoint than probably most brands slash social media people um might think (laughs) you have to do the you have to lay the groundwork for being that kind of brand yeah. for a while before you do it. Like if it's atonal from everything else you're doing, yeah. then there really isn't that moment where it lands. But if you kind of have like a fun voice and like you're always like interacting with folks and then you do something a little silly, then I think people uh, are more likely to forgive it. Um, yeah. But you know, my personal nightmare is running a brand that shows up on the subreddit fellow kids <laughs> like yeah I, I live in fear hey that's a good you know tip though is that people should be following that subreddit to see oh yeah to see like what it looks like when it's done wrong because it's subtle it's not like uh <laughs> they're not disasters it's just folks who like are <laughs> impress the youths you know <laughs> You know what I saw? And I think they've been building this into their brand for many years. But have have you seen KFC's posts? <laughs> Why the last they- thing I saw from KFC was that they followed 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that was like years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, so, sorry, I haven't been paying close attention to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. And- <laughs> no, so I guess this year, I still don't know if it's a parody, but they like, I saw that they launched their own video gaming, like, oh yeah, I did see that. And then they did an entire like video game trailer for this like romantic anime, like RPG role-playing game (laughs) featuring Colonel Sanders. What do you think that pitch meeting was like? (laughs) Oh my God. I mean... I don't know. That's insane, right? But it's but but then at the same time, I'm like, I kind of pull back and I'm like, you know what? I could see people playing this video game and being like, I want some KFC. <laughs> well, it certainly gets you talking about it, right? And I guess if you have good trust with the client, you can pitch kind of crazy stuff. I certainly have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, and then this last prediction that we have, um, again... And I think actually the fact that some of these predictions are kind of like, haven't we already heard this prediction? Probably maybe speaks to the state of the industry as well. <laughs> Is, uh, so HubSpot's saying that in 2021, more brands will go live. I also I actually think this, like the pandemic forced a lot of us to, uh, you know, change up how we were making things. And like live is a really great way because I, I think in 2019, we saw a lot of people go live for the first time. Mm-hmm. And not just like maybe your big brands and already played in that space, but like local musicians and like friends having coffee with each other. Like I think live is part of the, every time I go on Instagram, some one of my like close friends is live now, right? But then do you like accidentally click in and you're like, fuck. Oh. <laughs> and then they're like, Hey Tyler, and you don't know. Yeah, that's like the one. If Instagram is going to change one thing, it'd be not telling the person the second you freaking <laughs> click on it. 
but you know it's easier than ever like to to go live like i've played with different softwares and uh i could see brands that were slow to adopt that in 2019 picking or 2020 uh picking it up in 2021 um, I saw some interesting cases where a lot of small businesses were starting to use live to right. like bring people into their store virtually and like show them products and that sort of thing when they were kind of shut down there for the period of time um, in the spring. So I think that's true. And to your to your point about playing around with different software, you introduced me. I'd heard of it, but I hadn't used it uh, to StreamYard. Mm. And then chef's kisses. (laughs) I know. Well, and then I started using it for a few of my clients and it was like, wow, we can put up this banner and like, we can, we can take uh, viewer questions through Facebook. It was like, and then I was like, this is free. (laughs) It's amazing, man. We ran like a, we did a concert. We did a holiday concert using StreamYard on our Facebook and YouTube accounts in, you know, two clicks and I, I really like that product. Um, Barrier, yeah, I think these like technical barriers are, are exactly. much less than Just they- like what we were saying about TikTok, like yeah. it's, it's two clicks, like connect your Facebook account to this, hit live, you're live. Mm-hmm. Uh, visit this link, you're live. Like uh, I've noticed our guests have no problem using it. And I think that that will only increase. Um, and then the other part of it is, I mean, we made a joke about like quality at the start. But I think audiences really don't expect the same quality that they did a year or two ago. I think that if you have a live video and it goes horribly awry or like the internet fizzles out in the middle of it, that's just all our lives right now. Uh, and I think that for me, that's really freeing. Mm-hmm. The, the pressure to make a perfectly produced live video is gone. You just hit really? go live and like you should have a plan and we can we can spend another episode on that because I'm like <laughs> obsessed with planning live videos now but like uh but it's it's easy and it's low it's lower consequence than it was when everyone yep. thought it had to feel like tv well I remember you know even in the I don't know if that was early li- that was probably early live days for ATV but you guys were doing some live streams before the pandemic and they were increasingly I thought like slick television productions. They were, yeah. They were really, we had a studio, a couple cameras, like a yeah. couple, five, 10 people involved. And, and then now, now it's we like... run it with two people in a digital studio. And yeah, you're right. The picture isn't as clear. The sound might not be as good, but the content's still great. As long as the content's yeah. good, yeah. Like I, I've, I've hosted a couple of virtual lives and I've, I had like a, a few seconds of panic before they start where I'm like, is the setting okay? Do I need to like be somewhere else? But no, it's fine. <laughs> we're yeah. We have like a run sheet that we kind of cover some stuff like that, but, but no one, no one joins the live stream. They're like nice living room, asshole. Like, <laughs> I think it, it, you know, it's important that it looks nice and that yeah. it'll grab more people's attention, but like overall people are like, this is great. Thanks for doing this. You yeah. Know? Cool. Thanks for the info. (laughs) That was funny. And then the logistical, like you don't have to be in the same place to have a live conversation. You can do split screen on Instagram. You can use something like StreamYard to do like a four person panel. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it isn't hard. Um, And, but that like, just the fact that I don't need to get three people in the same building at the same time to do a panel already like means that I can spend five less hours planning this thing 
and uh, and I can go live more casually. We just do it sometimes because we feel like it, as opposed yeah. to like every time we go live, it needs to get thousands and thousands and thousands of viewers because we have to invest all these resources into it. Mm-hmm. But now there's much much less pressure that way. It's casual. Yeah, we we're just one of those brands that goes live sometimes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's us. We're just one of those brands. <laughs> What about uh? What about our own predictions? So we'll so we're near the end of this episode. But what about your predictions for this what year? <laughs> what I long for is like for social media to be boring again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I could see the shopping thing really happening. I my I guess my big prediction would be like Instagram becoming even more of like a one stop like a catch-all for everything you do on your phone and uh, almost less of like a social media. Like I'm not not certain Instagram is a place that you go to like hang out with your friends that much anymore. Maybe it's a place to like comment on each other's, like share stuff with each other, but I could see that trend continuing. And then I think what that does is like open up a place for like, where are people just having fun with each other? And I think that's TikTok right now. So maybe that'll like deepen TikTok and make it kind of more silly, more fun. Like there's a freaking sea shanty trend right now. Like that's a silly place, right? Uh, <laughs> and so I could see that like distancing happen or if TikTok, yeah, anyway, we don't have to keep going, but I think that, I think that'll happen. Instagram will get increasingly like more formal transactional, um, you know, there's a chat function uh, whereas the fun starts to drift into other places. Yeah. So kind of like we're aging out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like what happened with like, I mean, yeah, Twitter isn't really like a fun place to hang out with your buds anymore. Right. And that's okay. Like it's a really important part of all of our lives, but, uh, but you, people still need a place to gather online. And (laughs) I think that'll increasingly be like, even, even more so that'll be TikTok in the short term. That's my prediction. What about you? For me, I feel like a prediction for 2021 is that influencers, of course, the prediction would be about influencers. (laughs) I do think that what we've seen near the end of 2020 and then into 2021 is that audiences are increasingly sick of influencers bullshit. And like, and kind of, and not being afraid to say, why aren't you talking about this? Or why aren't you using your platform for this? Or why are you being irresponsible? So I think there's a lot, hopefully, a lot more accountability. Um, And then similar to how brands, what was that prediction? Brands um, with purpose will go viral. I think same idea is that you know, you can't just be a quote influencer who shares photos of your outfits anymore. For example, people are going to want to know what you think about this, you know, political or, or whatever issue that's happening in your community. Um, And if you're not going to be proactive about it, you're going to have to be prepared to answer why you're not. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's definitely other stuff, but that's for a later podcast. <laughs> yeah. Can I come back next time or what? Of course. Isn't this a, are we, is this a trial basis? Was this a re-audition or are you just, just making sure like I, I'm in it. Let's do it. You're in it. We're going to have better mics next time. Yeah. 
It'll be great. You get a mic sponsor between now and then. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 41 of Don't Call Me a Guru. It's the return of Tyler Butler plus social media trends. <laughs> Don't Call Me a Guru is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Stay tuned for next month's episode. And, uh, and yeah, give us a rating. Tweet us. Now I have to go, like, update all the places that I removed your name from. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.